Hello friends and welcome for the 50th time to the Coffee and Deer podcast. Here with Nick and the Doctor and yes, believe it or not, this is our 50th episode. And we are sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built on the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. And there, right off the bat, there's a big change that we didn't have in episode one. We did not have a sponsor. We do now. Speaking of our 50th episode, we're also going back to our episode number one with the same guest, Mr. Lindsey Thomas Jr., our Chief Communications Officer at the National Deer Association. He's the one that, quite frankly, allows us to have this podcast, and uh, we appreciate that. So we thought it would be cool to go ahead and bring Lindsey back for this conversation. We'll reminisce a little bit about the start of the podcast, not, not only Coffee and Deer, but also Deer Season 365. And also, while we have Lindsey, we're going to talk about some of the latest things going on in the NDA communications department. So looking forward to talking with Lindsay again. Also, next episode is an Ask NDA Anything episode. So please get your questions in. And also we will, as per usual, we will have the B team report. Now the B team report is also something that we did not do at the beginning of the show. So we didn't do Ask NDA Anything back on episode one. We also didn't do the B team report. So there are two standard departments now that we do that we didn't do before. One thing that is the same though is our co-host. Let's say hello to a man that is replacing lecture time with chainsaw time now that it's summer. The doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. Mike, happy 50th. Happy 50th. Yep, you got to keep rolling, man. I mean, we got we're B team. This just shows we haven't gotten any better after 50 50 episodes. Happy 50th. Wow, say that five times fast. <laughs> I just lisped it again. Happy 50th to you as well. I'll just stop talking for the rest of the podcast. It's a decaf for you the rest of the way, doctor. Well, hey, what do you think? I mean, here we are 50 episodes later, which means and we only do this every other week. So we've been doing this for 100 weeks. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. You know, all joking aside, I'm pretty proud of that. Well, I would agree. I, I'm glad that it seems to have fallen on some sympathetic ears, people that at least tolerate what we do, maybe like what we do. It's encouraging that we're connecting and we're trying to get information out there in a different kind of way that um, is not really maybe what most people are used to in, in regards to outdoor type podcasts. But um, I, I like our niche and um, I like our audience. Yeah, we'll ask Lindsay about that. You know, the just sort of the unique nature of this show. This isn't one where it, it, we we do get into it, but we're not every single episode talking about here's where to set your stand, here's how to hunt the wind, here's how to use your Onyx maps to save locations. You know, we're not. That's not what we do, right? We get into, um, you know, the sort of the behind the scenes things and the people behind the scenes and. Uh, those types of things. And so, yeah, we've enjoyed it. We've talked to a lot of cool people. We have a lot more planned going forward. And so it's been fun and it's been exciting. So instead of us talking about ourselves, <laughs> let's just go ahead and jump right into the interview and invite in our guest from episode one to episode 50, Lindsay Thomas Jr.
Lindsay Thomas Jr. joins us here on the Coffee and Deer podcast. He is the Chief Communications Officer at the National Deer Association. Uh, the better way to put it, though, he's basically the boss of just about everything outward facing we do. So anything you see, anything you hear has to get past him. And somehow we still have a podcast that he lets us do. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, so it all has to get past him. And sometimes you have to strategize, okay, how do we get this past Lindsay? Because that's always the, that's the toughest gate to get through. Uh, and he also was the first guest when we started this podcast. And so the doctor and I chatted about it and we said, you know what, for the 50th episode, I mean, it's obviously a miracle that we've made it to 50, but for the 50th episode, we have asked Lindsay to come back on the show. So Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. We're happy to have you back. Uh, I think most of the audience will know you, but if you don't mind, just a quick rundown and uh, tell people who, who you are if they don't know. Thank you, Nick and Mike. It's an honor to be back, an honor to be not only having, you know, be able to claim I was the first guest, but now the 50th. And congratulations on 50 episodes to the two of y'all. That's a, that's a cool achievement. And uh, I, I think um, there's going to be many more. I think we can see that coming. So um, I'm proud to be here. As you mentioned, I'm the Chief Communications Officer at the National Deer Association. Um, you know, you might say I'm the boss of this, of the communications, but I got to admit, it's, you know, for anybody, I think it would be intimidating to receive an invitation to come on the podcast hosted by your boss <laughs> with his sidekick, my powered analytical doctor friend, um, and undergo scrutiny and questioning by your, your employer. So, um, <laughs> you know, you might think that, that I'm the intimidating one, or you say that I'm the intimidating one when it comes to, to NDA's communications, but, uh, uh, you got me here in this, you know, you got the upper hand here. So, um, well, I, I, I had to respond to that because I, no one has ever come on the show and talked to the doctor and I and actually felt intimidated in any way. Actually, <laughs> they usually feel the pressure that they need to carry the show because we're so awful. Like, how do I help these guys make a decent show here? So, uh, anyway, go on. I interrupted you. No, I, I just, you know, um, and I think that speaks to the relationship we have among the team members at NDA that I can come on a podcast hosted by my boss and feel comfortable. We can, we can uh, have a great conversation, not only do it once, but be invited back. So <laughs> two years later, um, we are almost coming up on two years since we launched the two NDA podcasts. And uh, I think that's a great achievement. Uh, Y'all have been a big part of that. Um, this podcast, when I look back over you know, the history and what you guys have done, we, we made the decision, you know, to kind of do two different podcasts. And I think it's worked out really well. This one has been, you know, exactly what we envisioned, sort of the, you know, coffee and deer, sit down and have a coffee and let's have, have a conversation about topics that, you know, aren't typical for most of, of your hunting podcasts. You know, y'all have talked to insiders, not only insiders at NDA, giving people a, a look behind the scenes at NDA and who we are and what we do, but insiders with wildlife agencies, insiders with the industry, insiders with other nonprofit organizations in the conservation world, um, and looked at topics in a way that don't often get covered, people that don't often get invited on podcasts that have been very interesting. And I, it's been a very good uh, angle for us, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that we've done it this way, and I hope to continue it. You know, getting for both podcasts, both this one and Deer Season 365, 
um, it's been tough to break into the podcast world. We knew that it would be that way. Even two years ago when we launched these, the podcast world in hunting, even in the hunting realm, was already crowded. Um, and, it, and it's tough to fight your way to the top of that with so many good hunting and outdoors podcasts out there. Um, but we have slowly fought and created a space for both podcasts, and uh, they're both growing and doing well. I'm as pleased as I can be with that. And I'm uh, glad to see y'all doing what you're doing and, and can't wait to see more of it. Glad to be a part of it. Well, we certainly have a lot of fun doing it. We've talked to some cool people, met a lot of uh, interesting folks that we wouldn't have met otherwise. And to your point, yeah, that's a focus of ours. We're always talking about you know, what what kind of new or unique angle can we present to people that they maybe haven't heard before? Because like you said, it is a crowded space. You know, I pick on the doctor all the time about how many different podcasts that he finds out there and he'll be driving back to New York and he'll send me a, a link to a podcast say hey listen to this one at like the three something mark I'm like where the heck did you even find this thing and sometimes you know it's for a laugh and sometimes it's some serious stuff so you know I don't know Mike how, how, could you estimate how many different hunting podcasts you've probably listened to Oh my, I really can't. I mean, I really cannot. It's just one of the things where I will tell you that it, it is pretty much broken down by that, that title line or that tagline for the specific podcast. If it, if it interests me, I'll, I'll give it a, a listen. And, and as we talked about before, it's always, you know, I'm, I'm listening to them for that first couple minutes and can, can they anchor me? And so we kind of use a lot of the things that, I've come across in regards to the way that I approach a podcast to try and make ours better and make it more enjoyable for the listener. And so, um, you know, for me, yes, I've listened to a lot, but I listen to them for different reasons. And um, one of them is to try and make sure that ours is as entertaining as possible. And I know that you say you, you actually cut up on me a lot, but when I was asked to join this podcast, which I'm very grateful for. I mean, the the biggest thing was, and you know, all joking aside, it's like, can can we actually make Nick look human? And I'm like, yeah, I can. I said, <laughs> oh, I've yeah, known him since before he could drive. <laughs> you know, I'll humanize him for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's the furthest thing from the truth I ever heard. I'm, I'm editing that out actually. That that <laughs> that is so absurd. But speaking of absurd, Lindsay, I want to, I want you to tell this story before we get into some of the nuts and bolts here. Um, you know, generally, just a general question: How your spring's going? I know you've been busy. You might want to share some of the things you've been working on. But the story from the other day, where you're driving back in the side by side and literally go over the top of a fawn somehow without injuring it. If folks didn't see that out there uh, on Lindsay's social media, just run us through that real quick. Yeah. Do you want to save that story for the B team report? Because uh, that's <laughs> what I felt like at the, at the moment. Um, yeah, that was just a couple of weeks ago. I took my daughter, Laurel, my oldest daughter, down to Grace Acres with a couple of her friends who's been, they have been on father daughter hunts with us before in the past. So, um, and went down to the farm. We were going to do some fishing there in the little river near the farm. Um, and that night, that Saturday night, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the guy named Fishing. He goes by Fishing Garrett on social media. He's on Instagram. He's on TikTok. He's got like 4 million followers on TikTok. And his whole wow. thing is he goes out in the Everglades at night barefoot with a flashlight looking around at wildlife. And of course, at night in the Everglades, you're going to walk up on gators and every kind of snake in the world and all this. And it's fascinating stuff, but it's also educational. He teaches people about 
native versus non-native snakes and reptiles. He catches the non-native ones because he's getting rid of them. He's actually on the hunt for pythons to try to remove them. So anyway, my daughter, Laurel, follows him. We, we, we talk about him often, the guy stomping around barefoot in the Everglades. Well, that night I got the idea, hey, why don't we go down to the little creek here on the farm in the dark with flashlights? We were wearing shoes. We did not do it barefoot. <laughs> and go for a wade and, uh, and see if we can see snakes, frogs, you know, who knows what. So on the way, we're, yeah, we're driving the, the vehicle and uh, I've got Laurel and Joanna and Becca in the, in the vehicle with me. To get down to the creek, I turned to go down a gas line easement that's a fallow food plot. It's, it's, it's a cool season food plot, you know, and it's grown up maybe tire high, um, you know, thigh high if you're walking through it. And I just should have known. I, I mean, we teach this kind of stuff all the time. Hey, it's spring. Don't go mow grassy fields. In May and June, you're going to chop up fawns and everything else. But I just took off. We drove. This was the best way to get to the creek and drove straight down through there without thinking. And um, we get about halfway down the, the power line easement. Of course, we hear this nah! from under the the vehicle, loud bleat. And I just knew exactly what it was when I heard it. And I knew we just crushed a fawn. And here I am with Laurel and Joanna and Becca, and they're going to have to see this. We stopped. They knew what it was too. We jumped out and rushed back. I'm expecting to see a crushed fawn, but it's luckily curled up there between the tire treads. Wow. Tracks. <clears throat> Joanna just finished her wildlife degree at the University of Georgia and she's going into vet medicine. So she's been involved in necropsies and, and stuff like that. So she picked the fawn up and carefully examined it. I'm expecting to see broken limbs, broken legs, you know, who knows what. And uh, there's nothing broken, there's no blood. She didn't appear to be crushed or anything, and, you know, it could stand up. So she carried it over to the edge of the woods, set it down, and it stood up and walked into the briars and sat back down. Um, I came back the next morning, and uh, at daylight, walked around, could not find it, so I assume it moved off to a new hiding space or mom came back in the night or whatever. Um, I feel pretty good. We all feel pretty good now. We did not hit that phone and didn't hurt it. Since then, you know, people have asked me, was it a buck or doe? I didn't even look in the moment we were all so distraught that we had killed a fawn and I was so upset with myself for having done this that all I could feel was relief that it didn't appear we had killed it I was happy to see it get in the woods and I just wanted to go on you know about our thing that night and and do some other things and feel happy that we hadn't killed it so I didn't we didn't none of us even look to see if it was buck or doe we didn't one of the girls snapped a picture of the fawn on the ground but otherwise you know we didn't pose with it for pictures or anything like that we were just uh, it was a very tense moment, and I'm glad that in the end it, it turned out good. But it's, yeah, it gave me a chance to post that to social and remind people, hey, don't do what this dummy did. Don't, you know, you don't have to be pulling a bush hog. Even just driving a UTV through a grassy area or understory in a forest or any kind of cover like that where a fawn or turkey poults, quail chicks, um, anything else, any other small wildlife could be hiding this time of year, you're going to run right over it. So just be careful about that. Yeah, I mean, luckily that wasn't a hard lesson learned. And, uh, you know, Mike, you, it looks like you want to add something to that. Well, and it happens. You, you recall from last fall, well, I'm sorry, late last summer, I was actually spraying one of my fields, but I was doing it with a backpack sprayer. And to minimize the amount of chemical exposure, I was walking backwards. And I actually touched my heel down on a fawn that was, that was curled up there as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it is a thing that, nobody's perfect obviously and and it can happen but as you know Lindsay and his family did you know just 
I just left well enough alone. It, for me, it jumped up, ran off on its own, which was fine. But, uh, you know, giving animals the chance to survive and, and making sure that we're doing our due diligence is always very important. So that's a, you know, really good lesson that, you know, needs to be reminded every now and then because we can get so distracted with other things. Speaking of distracted with other things, uh, it's been, as you said, Lindsay, earlier, about two years ago, we had this discussion about podcasts and we, we felt like we needed to be in that world. It was another way we could communicate Pete with people about our message, help people get to know us, uh, help support our sponsors, the people that support us. And so we decided we were going to do these two podcasts. So just uh, very generally, uh, you touched on this, but are these, are they meeting your expectations? They are, you know, we watch the analytics on these as, as we talked about in the first episode, how much I enjoy digital communications and the immediate feedback you get and analytics on how things are doing, how many people consume it, what they think of it. Um, and, you know, looking at the numbers, um, we're pleased. Uh, Brian Grossman and I talk about this regularly. Brian, of course, hosts the Deer Season 365 podcast, which is y'all's sister podcast. And uh, he's our uh, uh, director of communications. Um, and it's been slower than I thought it would be. And I, when I look at the podcast world out there within the hunting industry, I look at, you know, who's ranked top in the Apple podcast and things like that. Um, it's, if there's tough competitors out there, you've got a lot of podcasts that have been there much longer than us who have built audiences and do this extremely well. And we all know who we're talking about here who are remaining at the top of the game. And it's, you know, we're not trying to be them. I don't, I, I never expected that we would jump up there with, with the best podcasts. But we definitely, I've seen many, even since we started these two podcasts, many other podcasts come and go. Others get launched that are clearly struggling to gain what we've got. So though we are not by any means, you know, up there in the top podcasts uh, at this point, two years in, it's growing. We're, you know, the number of downloads, which we watch in the, the audience size is growing with both podcasts. And I feel good about that. Um, and think that, you know, we just have to keep, keep this up. One of the things about these individual podcasts that we do is each only comes out every two weeks. And so we literally built this as two different podcasts that come out bi-weekly. Most people publish weekly. And so it, it can be tougher to build an audience and uh, build awareness, you know, just by the fact that you don't come out as frequently as some of the others do. And yet we're still climbing slowly up the charts and, and still building audience and growing the number of downloads. I'm pleased with the numbers and um, want to see it. You know, I think I think it's just what I realized is it's a matter of sticking in there, understanding your niche, who your audience is, who you're who you want to be as a podcast, who your guests need to be and your topics need to be, you know, breaking out of that from time to time. But at the same time, building something that's predictable and expectable from your audience and, and being there uh, over time. I mean, it's. When you think about it, the average person only has so much time in their day or week to listen to podcast content. Um, it, it takes time to consume it. And it's something that you do generally alone. You know, it's not like social media where you can instantly interact and click like or comment or share. Uh, you're sort of in a world with the podcast hosts and in a quiet you know, zone there listening to them for a lengthy period of time. People who drive a lot, uh, people who have work that allows them to listen to something as they're doing their work. 
you know, they can consume a lot more time, like uh, a lot more time of podcasts, but most people can't really consume a lot. And so that makes it tougher to grow an audience in a world that's crowded with a lot of good podcasts. And it just takes time. You just have to stick with it and you have to keep planning ahead, coming up with new guests and new ideas and doing what you do and doing the best you can. And we're doing that with both podcasts and seeing the growth. So I'm pleased and, uh, you know, uh, you'll see us continue to have podcasts for uh, the foreseeable future. Well, Mike, we might have to start planning our 100th episode. You know, it just makes sense to have Lindsay back like every 50 episodes. What do you think? <laughs> I think that that'd be a good idea for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, we never did set out to be, you know, the next meat eater podcast. Okay. Um, you know, but we, what we've set out to be was uh, we want to have a professional show, but that has to support just like everything we do at NDA. It has to support our mission and what we're trying to do in some way. And so we are, we're entertainment, but we're not just entertainment for the sake of entertaining. We're entertainment uh, in a way that supports our mission. We put out a lot of educational information here, uh, uh, you know, which is good. And like you said, get, try to get behind the scenes a little bit and give people a peek into some of our everyday work. So, yeah, I think organic growth is good. Uh, we don't spend uh, all kinds of time and money on promotion of this show, and that's never been the aim. So, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. I think it's, think it's going pretty well. Speaking of evolution and growth and organic growth, there's been an awful lot of growth in NDA's communications uh, digital platforms. So, Lindsay, if you would take a moment to talk about, um, you know, the growth we've had, why you think that is and where you think we're headed. Yeah, Nick, it's um, we've seen a lot of good growth here in the last two to three years um, since, you know, I guess we're coming up on almost three years since we unveiled the National Deer Association. Um, really, a lot of the growth has really been in the last two years. We've kind of hit our stride with our mission. You know, we sat down and came up with a strategic plan for all aspects of what NDA does and communications was one of those things. That to me sort of explains a lot of it that for everything we do, we have a plan, a set of goals, a set of uh, uh, tactics that we're going to use to get there. This isn't just willy-nilly. We wake up every morning going, you know, what can we do today on social media? There's a plan. And, and uh, so that has helped, you know, in some of the things we emphasize, we wanted to grow video output. We wanted to grow in, on YouTube. We've done that. Uh, we've grown substantially here in the last couple of years simply by turning out good educational content. That's not anything new for us. This organization for years, decades, has been turning out the best educational deer content um, in the hunting industry. It's just that we're doing it in new formats now. A lot of the same information or same type of information, but now in a video, now in a podcast, now in social posts. Um, and even these formats are changing. Video is changing within the, the video niche. Um, you know, before we, everything was kind of shoot in a, in a landscape uh, format for YouTube. Well, now things are changing and more of a portrait short, you know, video is, is taking over the TikTok style video, the, the Instagram reel style video. We've had success with those as well. Um, so taking that same information and putting it in these different formats, doing it on a regular basis, that's where we've had success. Um, and so, yeah, in each area, whether it was in video and YouTube and now, um, you know, video you know, on social, we're, those are growing. Um, we see all of that, uh, our Instagram following or, or even our Twitter following is still growing. Um, 
All of that leads to growth in the traffic at the website. Last year, we had 1.7 million unique people visit the NDA website. Looking at this year so far to date compared to last year, we're running about 20% ahead of last year. So, wow, that's and that's, on, that's in you know spring, which is one of our slower times of year. So all these things, our email database has been the other thing we have worked really hard to grow. We, this year, one of the plans is we really want to refurbish and improve and polish the e-newsletter that comes out every week. That's really our uh, kind of the flagship uh, of digital communications for NDA. A lot of people open that every week. There's, you know, new content and a lot of other things, but we want to add more to that. We want to make it more interactive. Uh, we want to make it have more stuff going on each week. So that's one of the things that we'll be working on throughout this year is sort of a, an a upgrade to the e-newsletter. But yeah, we've added new things. You know, last year, uh, April one year ago, Nick, it was you, I give you credit for saying, um, are we gonna look at TikTok? And I was the first one to say, hold on, I, I really can't <laughs> handle another social media channel, please. <laughs> By the way, I wanna point out that the most prolific staff person on TikTok at NDA is Lindsay. <laughs> Go on. So yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you that. Uh, you win points there. Uh, I was wrong there. You know, you I, you were right to suggest we look at that. And um, of course, uh, we had some help and uh, from Carly in Missouri. She's no longer with us now. She left to take on another opportunity. But at the time, she was working for us as a deer outreach specialist in Missouri. And she was had some TikTok experience, took it on, helped us get our feet wet. You know, I started... Even when you mentioned it, Nick, I'd already been poking around at it, looking at it and see what it was about. Anytime I hear of new social media channels that are growing, as a communicator, I'm curious and going to check it out. But I really wasn't convinced yet. But uh, you helped me pay more attention to it. Yes, I'm now an addict. I, I have a TikTok <laughs> account. Personally, I use it. We have grown the TikTok uh, NDA account from zero to about 62,000 in a year mm -hmm. followers. Um, we've had some good success with that. And that's really opened my eyes again to the value of short videos, uh, short impactful educational videos. Um, you can reach a lot of people with those and we've reached a lot of new people through TikTok with some important messaging, not just the usual habitat and food plots and deer biology, but CWD and some other important topics that, you know, from a conservation standpoint that we hit on. So, you know, yeah, that's a new one for us. It's growing and doing well. And uh, there's always something new coming around the next corner in digital. And I'm glad that that you make us, uh, you know, stay flexible and able to take on new challenges and try new things when they come along, because some of them work really well. Yeah, I think the one of the important things that we've done, though, and this is something that you mention often, we hear it in staff meetings, and we had a email exchange amongst the group of us talking about this and is that we keep all of our content within the boundaries of who we are. And so we have not stepped out, for example, and teamed up with a flashy influencer type like many have done. Okay. Just for the, just for the sake of attracting, you know, numbers of people who viewed things. Uh, we have not done that. We have stayed strictly on our message. We haven't gone and, and done outlandish things. And we use those platforms all a little bit differently, which is kind of cool. So at the end of most of the shows here, I will tell people, hey, in case you didn't see it, here are a few things that were out in our newsletter. Maybe here's an article we shared on Facebook. Check this out on, on Twitter. We use all of our platforms kind of uniquely. So if you go to Twitter, 
you're not necessarily going to see something that we put on Facebook. Or if we go to TikTok, you may not see something that we put on Instagram. And so there's sort of unique and cool content in each one of those platforms. And it's all, again, core to who we are and what we do. So, um, you know, Lindsay, I think you put a lot of thought into that as those things go out and Brian Grossman as well, uh, who we mentioned earlier in the show. So, I mean, really, is that the strategy? It's just to have a little bit of something different on each of those platforms? It is because each platform lends itself to, you know, something a little bit different where Twitter is kind of a micro blog and, and uh, a great white place to share links. And particularly, you know, Torin uses it for the action alerts, the advocacy and policy alerts and uses it very effectively there. Um, you know, Twitter has kind of remained, um, I don't know how to categorize it in the social media world. It's been around there a long time. It's, it's never really been the big go-to place for the hunting community like Facebook became and then like Instagram became and, and now TikTok has. It's kind of always been there steady with a steady audience, but our audience has really grown in, in Twitter here in the last year or two. We've just kind of stayed there, stayed steadfast. There's still an audience there and still people consuming our content there in a unique way that's unique to Twitter. Um, but yes, you know, so TikTok, just like Instagram Reels, just like Instagram itself, which is tends to be more, you know, image and video content, the Instagram stories that are good ways to get out links. Each platform has its nuances and its different ways that its users want you to interact. I've never been one. Most of these platforms have automations you can set where, hey, if I if I post to Facebook, it automatically is shared over here to some other platform. Um, or if I create this video on TikTok, I'm just going to take the TikTok video and go over here and just post it to all my other platforms without creating new content over there. I've never really been a big fan of that because people who are um, passionate about or loyal to a particular platform see that and they feel like you're phoning it in. They feel like that's they you know not genuine. You're not really in there with them, and and that doesn't necessarily build a loyal audience within those platforms. So we generally try to you know, have a true presence in each of these. It's difficult given the size of our staff, but that's what we attempt to do. You know, we attempt to have a unique video on TikTok, a unique separate video on Instagram, you know, something different on Facebook and, and, and uh, Twitter. Um, and then YouTube as well is completely different. You know, uh, detailed, more detailed videos that are, you know, involve more editing, and more information and delivered in a different way. So each platform kind of demands something a little different. And we try not to uh, design, design a one size fit, fits all pieces of information. We've tried to be unique uh, and involved in each platform. So I'm gonna jump in here and, and you know, first of all, you know, commend you, Lindsay, because as literally kind of like an outside person here, I mean, even though I'm involved with the podcast, I'm at the end of the day, a NDA member, that's pretty much it. And I just happen to know, you know, the, the CEO of the organization, you know, but, um, but what I will say is I appreciate the fact that you are keeping the, the member and how you're interacting with the member a priority because that is important. And, and I think it goes back to that term organic growth because each individual person has the way that they want to consume information or be connected with. And the fact that you're putting a lot of thought into that, and I'm going to use the term catering uh, to an individual, um, 
in that in a very lax way, but um, where you're really making sure that they are getting a their memberships dollars worth and then some. So uh, I just think that's something that I didn't want to kind of gloss over. That sounded that sounded really important to me. Hello, friends. Today I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Silencer Central. And I'm particularly excited about Silencer Central right now because I worked with them to order my first suppressor and I just got notification this week that it is shipping, so it's going to be in my hands very soon. So I work with Silencer Central. I can tell you the number one reason is simplicity. I had no idea where to start, but they simplify the process. They only do silencers. They are experts. They're ready to listen, answer your questions. They ship directly to your door. They offer a free NFA gun trust, which that's something you'll learn about as you start to navigate this process. And they also get you going for 25% down. They also offer barrel threading, which is a service that I had done. And they know the rules, which is really critical as you navigate this process. They also prioritize safety and security, and they offer shopping protection. Folks, if you're looking for a suppressor, look no further than Silencer Central. As I said, they're a great sponsor of the NDA, and you can find them at silencercentral.com. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. And that is true. I mean, we do have um, an important connection with each one of our supporters and members, and we've always tried to build that. Um, we're a unique organization with a unique mission and, and unique goals. We realize we cannot be um, everything to everybody. Uh, there's other groups out there that do things differently and have different uh, focal points and different niches in the hunting world. And they're going to attract different audiences because... Um, you know, there's different kind of hunters in the world looking for different things, needing different information, different engagement and different uh, experience on social media. We can't have them all. And so understanding who we are and developing that relationship with the audience that wants to, to be and know us is important um, and always has been. Um, and that, you know, it comes back to as well, protecting that relationship by maintaining our credibility, uh, maintaining, you know, uh, the idea that our audience can trust us for reliable information. Uh, some people don't want that, and that's okay. We're going to continue to cater to uh, the audiences that do want reliable information, that appreciate us for the professionalism, uh, for the thoroughness, uh, for the seriousness when it's called for, uh, and the focus on important issues um, you know, when it's time to be focused on those things. So, yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. That's, that's definitely something in the back of our minds all the time is, um, protecting and, and that relationship with our members, whether they are, you know, paid members or whether they just enjoy our content for free as a, as a newsletter subscriber or follow us on some particular social media channel. We think of them all in the same way and want to maintain that relationship. And just to tag on to that, that's something that as a consumer, you know, just speaking about me personally, nobody else is that. I've seen a lot of these uh, podcasts or shows or social media outlets that are pushing a subscription type of access and things like that. And I will say that, you know, you give so much away for free that, um, you know, it's really, and I apologize that for some reason my dog is trying to get comfortable behind me here and they're making a ton of noise. She has something but, to say, Mike, you know, give her the uh, microphone. Apparently she's like free <laughs> and like, 
I don't know where she went with that, but, um, but yeah, you give so much away for free and you know, this it's it's really a testament to the fact that you're trying to be an, an organization that really is a, a stand up type of organization, but with the primary goal of we want to help hunters, we want to help deer, we want to help habitat, we want to help conservation. And it's, I think it's, it's really good and, and that's why i'm comfortable always sending my and putting my dollars in that direction thank you for doing that mike i feel like You're i should best. drive the next time we go hunting so <laughs> well if we you gotta... can get yourself up in the morning i guess we would i know but... that's a whole other show we'll have to hit that one later on but uh... that's behind the scenes there Lindsay, I'm going to talk about evolution here for a second, and I'm talking about the evolution of communications here. And we talked about this back when we had you on the first show two years ago, but it never really stops, does it? We, we are constantly sort of monitoring what's going on in the world. It's important for us to be ahead of the game. Uh, our board chairman, Rick Dahl, has a saying that we've always, that we talk about often where he says, you don't, you don't want to go where the puck's been, you want to go where the puck's going. And so we always try to do that. And so just we can't unveil a whole bunch of things here because we are working on some things that are going to be changes for the organization, but speak about the importance of evolution and being where most people can see us and actually consume our information. Well, it's, you know, bottom line is, is we want to be where the audiences are. Um, we need to be with our mission, our me messaging. Uh, we need to be out there where people can see it and, and consume that. And as communications change, even within the realm of digital communications, it's always changing. If you just break that off into just social media, it's always changing. You know, you've seen uh, Facebook evolve from the place to be, and then challengers came along and those developed new big audiences and companies got sold and bought and the place that you thought was the one social media that you needed to be on suddenly wasn't anymore, or now there's another one you need to be on. You know what I mean? New ways to reach new audiences. And so that's always changing. And it's not that you abandon others, you know, where the people are still there, but you, you need to try to add on the others, just like we've added podcasting. We didn't have to do that, but there's, there are people that we can reach through podcasting that don't have necessarily the time to flip, you know, scroll through social media uh, or read emails or whatever. And so the more different ways that we can reach people that are effective, obviously, we don't want to continue using ways where audiences is, be, are, is being lost. You know, over time, over years, communications changes, everything, things that people think are the place to be fade out completely. So we, you don't want to stay too long in a place where you're just not reaching people anymore, but you always want to be experimenting and trying those new things where you can reach more. And that's, that's what we've been doing. Um, just like, you know, TikTok was the great example. And you know, I've learned not to ever feel like, okay, this is it. We're on these social media channels and we're going to do email and we have a website and we're going to do video. That's it. No more. As soon as you say that, the next <laughs> thing's going to come along and it will come along. Yeah. Some of these things may fade in effectiveness. A new thing's going to come along that people can envision right now. And if it's got audiences and people are there and find it useful and practical, and we could be there teaching them about deer and sharing our message, we need to be there. And so it's always changing. You know, uh, when you said evolve, the, the big thing that Brian and I have been talking about here just the last few weeks is AI. Mm. Um, and the sudden appearance just within the last few months of this in the news, 
Um, and it's really pretty in, in some ways frightening to me. In other ways, you know, I can see the usefulness of it. You know, we're starting to look at that and go, what is this going to do to what we do as, a commun as communicators? Um, how, what are the negatives of AI for writers, for photographers, for video content producers? How will other people use this in a way that we're gonna to have to respond to? How could we use it to improve what we do without affecting our credibility, which we never wanna put at risk? So yeah, now all of a sudden AI is something that is, is really concerning uh, in a big way and we're watching that carefully. So yeah, always evolving. Yeah, it never ends. Something's always changing out there. As far as AI goes, I only just I hear a little bit of the noise around it. I haven't even personally taken the time to really dig in and understand what it's all about. I've certainly heard all the bad examples of things that you can do with it, and they make me a little bit nervous. But as you said, there are some certainly some positives as well. Uh, we got a new website last year, which has been very helpful for us, uh, helping us not only better share our information with uh, you, our listeners and followers out there, but also with our with our corporate sponsors, the days of, you know, you get someone that knocks on your door and it's the little league kid selling you, you know, a candy bar or the Girl Scout cookies or whatever. And then you, you know, you give them their, your 10 bucks and pat them on the head and away they go. Well, that's not how it works in corporate advertising and corporate support. And Lindsay will tell you just this week, we're working, sending emails back and forth, trying to negotiate how we'll promote a certain product that we'll have donated and sweepstakes and, but they want to see hard numbers, Lindsay, right? I mean, they, we send them a report that says, here's how many people actually viewed this ad or this promotion. And so that happens, you know, those of you listening, when you see us put out these sweepstakes and these promotions and giveaways, that's not the end of it. I mean, we are sharing with those sponsors, how many people actually saw and interacted. And that's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? It is. And, you know, again, going back to the way things were done in the past with print advertisements, you, you could always tell an advertiser how many people you mailed the magazine to, but that doesn't really tell them how many people saw their material, you know, maybe acted on it. We can give them all that information now, you know, so, you know, to our folks that follow us, when, when you see, for example, a sweepstakes, um, you know, let's say we're going to uh, sell chances to win a Ferminator or sell chances to win a Banks Blind or whatever that might be. Um, you know, that product has been donated to us by that company that supports this organization. Um, we raise funds off of it through selling the chances. That money goes to funding our mission and our conservation work. But then what we do is turn around and go back to whatever company it was that supported us pro by providing the prize and show them exactly how many people saw their product and their brand name throughout the course of the campaign of teach of promoting that sweepstakes. And that's, that's hard numbers. We can show them, you know, click throughs, how many people ended up at their website. And what we found is um, that the, the industry out there is extremely responsive to that information. It's real numbers. They can look and see how we're able to reach people. So there's this synergy going on out there where we're using our deer information the best deer information out there on habitat and deer biology and hunting and the science of this stuff that we all eat up, sharing that with our audiences, which grow our audiences, which then make fundraisers like this effective, both from the fundraising standpoint for us and from a marketing standpoint for our supporters. And it's just a big win-win for everybody. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing we're always looking at in the background here is how to rig all this new technology that we use, email and website and social to 
find new ways to basically do the same old thing nonprofits have always done, which is raise money for conservation um, and use the members and supporters who want to support us doing that to make that happen while also bringing in the industry together in sort of a winning combination. And these tools make it very easy to do that nowadays. Yep, for sure, for sure. All right, Lindsay, this is kind of a fun one as we start heading toward the end of the interview here. Age this. It's one of our more popular things that we do. Um, people love and my, my mother-in-law does this, right? So she's, she, now she talks to me about when we see her, we have dinner on Sundays typically, and she'll want to, you know, sometimes bring up how old an eight, you know, how old a deer is and now seeing deer walking, you know, out along the road or whatever, trying to guess how old they are. So age this has become very popular. And so we do this in our newsletter, every single newsletter, and it also shows up in the magazine. So behind the scenes of Age This, how many submissions are we getting for this thing? And how do you pick which ones make the cut? Yeah, it's um, it, this thing has been very popular. I remember, I, I honestly, I wish I could remember, I should look it up, how many years we've been doing it. It's I've been here 20 years. It's had to have been at least 18 years we've been doing Age wow. This because I came up with the idea pretty early on. I remember how I came up with it. I was at a, uh, a meeting that we were holding you know, with a speaker and um, outside that evening before the social began, several hunters were there with photo albums. This was of course before digital right. trail cameras and they were there with photo albums of their trail camera bucks and deer printed out and put in a, you know, sticky pages of an album sharing their pictures. These days, of course, we whip out our phone and go, look at this. Well, they had real photo albums. And the number one question I noticed people were asking each other as they they flipped around and looked in all at all these people's nice bucks was how old do you think he is mm -hmm. and that was where the idea came up i thought what if we take people's pictures run them by a panel of three four five experts i know the experts i work with them i can put together a panel real easy and we publish this accept people's images and publish the what the panel said about how old the buck was we can teach people about buck aging it's interactive and yeah, it turned out to be very, very popular. So all these years later, we still do it. We have one every week. Yes, I am very selective about the pictures we use. And that does make it tough. I probably write more rejection emails to people telling them, <laughs> no, thank you, I can't use this picture, right. than photos that go into the pool to be used. Um, probably two to one or more is a ratio. And the reason is, you know, we feel you cannot use just any picture of a buck to estimate age. He needs, you need the certain qualities. He needs to be standing broadside. You need the full deer in the picture, no legs chopped off, no you know, rear ends chopped off. Chopped off. You, he needs to be head up, not head down feeding. He doesn't need to be jumping over a fence or running or quartering to you. Um, he, you know, it sh should be fall, not summer. It is very dangerous mm -hmm. to try to estimate the age of bucks in summer because they just all have skinny necks. They all look younger than they really are. Not in the winter. It's post rut, and they're run down. They're thin. They're they're on winter diets. You don't age them in the winter. Their neck has shrunk again. So there's conditions under which you know the timing, the image, the quality of the light. You know you want a good picture, clear, close up. The deer isn't 300 yards from the camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there's a process when these images come in, um, and on the website I have a list of all the things. Please make sure this deer is you know broadside head up, standing still, uh, not jumping, and make sure it's fall. All these qualities, 
And yet some people are still going to try to shoot one through anyway and, and send us pictures. So I'll, I'll get some that are, uh, you know, borderline that are tough calls. Other times you get some, they're just like, oh, this is the perfect aging picture, perfect time of year. This one we're going to use. So yeah, there's a selection process. We do not run just any age this picture. Um, the other thing too, is that, um, people tend to send you their best bucks, obviously. I mean, it's just the way it works. You ask people to send me, send me pictures of your trail cam bucks. Everybody's proud of that big number one, five and a half year old mm -hmm. buck that they named. They're going to send you that one. So I have, you know, uh, plenty of supply. If we just wanted to show five and a half year old bucks, we could do that from now till kingdom come and not run out of pictures. What I seldom get are yearlings and twos and, and threes, especially yearlings and twos. And yet we need to be able to show those deer to talk about, you know, how do you age them? It's just as important, if not more so. You know, I've always said the most important deer to age in the woods is a yearling. If you can protect mm -hmm. him and spot him, you've protected the most important deer there is to protect if you're trying to grow buck age structure. So, so yeah, it's a struggle to, to keep a supply of good pictures. We're constantly putting out the appeal. I'm gonna use your podcast right now as a platform for that and ask your listeners Hey, go, don't throw away your pictures from last year. Go through those folders of images. Look for some bucks that uh, meet those, those qualities I just described that you took last fall and send them to me. You've got nothing to lose. You might make it into age this. Um, if you won't, I'll write you back and explain why you wouldn't. But um, please, we're looking for more pictures. So, yeah, it's a constant struggle. Um, sometimes we even pull in my own pictures, you know, uh, other people's other staff's pictures you know pictures we can find just about anywhere but by and large most of the ones we use are submitted to us by our members well let's, uh, sorry mike i just say while while i'm feeling generous let's do this if you send a picture to Lindsay and you mentioned that you heard this appeal on the podcast Lindsay will let me know and we'll send you out an nda hat oh, so there perfect. you go <laughs> if it's well if it's we should we should kind of narrow that down i mean you know if it's usable, if it's one that he believes meets the criteria. Well, it'll be the first, yeah, the first person that sends a usable photo to Lindsay and says, hey, I heard on the podcast you're looking for age this photos. They're going to get a hat. Yep. So Lindsay will let us know. And I want to put a plug in, too, for our video, How to Age Deer in the Field, which has the 20-buck aging test in it that we just refilmed this. Uh, Kip Adams, uh, if you ever heard of that guy, we don't we don't have him around here too often anymore. He's getting too big for his britches. But no, uh, Kip Kip is our uh, narrator and educator on that one. We're very proud of that video. You can find that on our YouTube channel. Frankly, you can just Google it because we are really the authority on this type of thing, and it's an awesome uh, video put together. Actually, right in the backyard of my land over at the Bearded Buck property. So um, an area very familiar to me, some, some really cool stuff there. Uh, check that uh, out. There's no other resource out there like that video. It's nothing's ever been put together like that with so much footage of so many different wild bucks that the Bearded Buck uh, guys help us put together and, and, and Kip narrates and wrote. Um, it's great content. And we share that video in every newsletter. Hey, if you need tips on aging bucks, watch this. Yeah. yeah, and that was the one thing that I was going to say is that, um, you know, just some tips for someone that submits, has submitted, is, again, the resources that Lindsay's pointing you to when you actually are going to submit to the age of this, but also if that's something that's really important to you in regards to, you know, whether it's just, hey, let's see if I can 
you know, get in the newsletter is think about how you're going to set your trail cameras up. Think about the time of year. Think about the distance to that trail or that image. Now, granted, you can always get uh, a flyer that just magically happens. But I guess if that's something important to you, there is some things that you can do to increase your chances of getting a usable buck picture. And then as I was telling, you know, as, as Nick uh, did mention is that, you know, that's something that I really like those. I still have the original um, age this DVD that I got years ago and I still mm. have it. And I still pop it in every now and then. And the updated one is much, you know, I shouldn't say much better, like it's disparaging the old one, but I'm just saying they, the quiz, the, the amount of chances you have to do an age on a guest in there, I should say, educatedly guest an age on a deer is is much more so again great learning opportunities there but yeah some things that you can try yeah it's um you know even been adapted into live format by matt and kip for you know meetings in the past where with the live audience they just throw cameras you know throw images up on the screen and ask the audience to age and then the expert panel would respond and yeah it's been a, it's been a good thing we are occasionally over the years gotten some criticism for age this from people who said this is not really a science. You don't know in many of these cases what the buck's real age is, and that's true. Most of the pictures we use, we don't know. And we're speculating and, and sort of estimating the age as a group. You know, and my response to that is we've always said, look, this is an art, it's not a science. It is an art. It's a skill that you develop over time through practicing, through looking at your own bucks and your own trail cameras, and then when you put some of them on the ground, pulling the jawbone and checking yourself, you know, where, you know, what was his age? Send, in, send an incisor off and find out from a cementum lab and go back and look, what did I call this deer in the picture? You refine that skill through that process. And then, you know, I also say, look, you know, it's a fair criticism. It's, this is an art, it's not a science. Um, but the fact is going back to how I came up with the idea for age this, if we quit doing age this, Hunters would still be out there showing each other trail camera pictures and going, how old do you think he is? Mm -hmm. Without us commenting on it, they would still do this. And so I feel like we ought to be in this game and providing people with the best information that we can from true biological experts and their opinion. It's still interesting to see what a panel of biologists say about these deer. No, they're not always right, but you'll always see that um, you know, you can be certain that a deer is five and he's not two. And, you know, they might disagree that a deer is four or five, or they might disagree that he's two or three, but it's rarely is the disagreement beyond, you know, more than one year. And that's why I continue to believe that it's useful and that we need to continue doing age this. Let the record show that the doctor has indicated that he still has a DVD player. Just wanted to put that out there. It's probably sitting right beside your Walkman. <laughs> What's a Walkman? I have a boombox. <laughs> a boombox next to your rotary phone. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, we're going to end it here, but I just want to point out that Lindsay is a member of the executive team here at the NDA, and he's one of the people that absolutely uh, has a big hand in running this organization. And uh, so thank you for that, Lindsay, on top of all the other great work that you do here at the NDA, getting the information out and for staying on top of the trends and uh, all of the analytics. And so, Lindsay, you see a lot of his uh, videos and things that he's doing out there in the field, right? Okay, he's one of our absolute best educators here. But then he gets to, he has to then take off you know, his outdoor gear and, and come in and be really a scientist when it comes to getting into the lab of communications. And he does all of that extremely well. 
and we're certainly lucky to have him. So, Lindsay, thanks for coming on for our 50th episode, and uh, we hope to see you for 100, uh, unless we need to bring you on sometime before that. So, thank you. I'll put 100 on my calendar. Thank you, and congratulations to the two of you on 50 episodes. Well, that was a lot of fun, Mike. It was nice talking with Lindsay, getting his perspective as someone who listens to every one of our podcasts and also Brian Grossman's podcast, Dear Season 365. He listens to them all. And I know another thing about Lindsay is he's going to give you a straight shot. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. So he said some kind things. We had some fun there. And it was it was just sort of good to go back and, and relive episode one a little bit. It was, and I think even more exciting is that there is talk about the future. It's not that we are just comfortable with where we're at. We want to improve. We want to adapt and we want to continue to entertain. So I think that there's a lot to look forward to in the future as well. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. All right, Mike, speaking of things to look forward to at this point, I think people mostly look forward to hearing the B team report. And so uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Here is the B team report. Mike, last time we did a joint B team report because we were together and I don't remember whose turn it was. Uh, so whose turn is it this week? It was my turn to go, but because it was a joint story, I let you tell it, and then I filled in the, the gaps. So technically, it's your turn to go first. All right. Well, I will do that then. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'm sure you're right the way my memory is. All right. Mine's not horrible, but it, it's sort of just typical me, right? I, I can make the very average um, task look difficult which, you know, ideally it's the other way. You make the tough tasks look easy. Why make the average ones look difficult? And so my dad and I got together the other day. We had put the floor into the cabin, which that part of it went pretty well. But now we're to the point of putting the trim on. And it was just so tired after doing the floor all in one day that just wasn't going to try to squeeze in uh, the trim at the same time. And so there we are. We pick a day. We have a time to go out and do this trim. And of course, because my place is remote, if you forget something, it's it's a long, it's not, it's, there's no easy fix. And you're already laughing because you know what this is all about, right? Well, anyway, all set to do the trim, except for there are three doors. There's an entry door, there's a bathroom door, and there's a bedroom door. And each one of them, Mike, had one of those door stops screwed in behind the door. And those things are in there so tight you can't twist them off by hand and they're at such a location that it's right where the trim has to go. So instead of being able to just get there, cut the trim, put the trim up, we had to stop because guess who didn't have tools with them? That would be you. probably. That would be me. Yep. So anyway, we end up having to um, stop the job, go to the uh, closest Walmart, which for that location is Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Yes. The Punxsutawney Phil, Pennsylvania, like that's the we actually drive right by Gobbler's Knob to to go over there. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we had to go, and this time though, I did. I, I took I turned a B team into a B minus team because what I did was I just bought myself an inexpensive tool set so that I have a tool for just about any sort of basic 
uh, job. So yeah, that was my B team report. Uh, all the only the other thing too I would add is that I I allowed my battery on my lawnmower to go dead there, and I ended up ended up having to buy a sixty five dollar lawnmower battery for a lawnmower that's not even a year old yet. So that's a whole other B team story. So that's the B team bonus. All right, so that's well, I'm going to shame you on that one because I told you last fall to pull the batteries off of your four wheeler and your mower. And bring them back to your place and keep them on a trickle charger over the winter. Oh, I so knew better. Warning. Well, here's what happened though. I'm not making an excuse. It's just the battery went dead before winter. And because I think I had just left the lights on or something stupid, right? Or left the key turned on. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to let it sit dead. And then I'll charge it up in the spring and go. But that wasn't a smart move, obviously. And something to happen to the point where I took it into an auto zone and they couldn't even get the charger to even recognize it so clearly it had completely fried so yes i will have it at home on a trickle charger as soon as i'm done using it this year okay well mine is vehicle related i was heading into work last week and i'm no more than 15 minutes away from the place and all of a sudden i get a warning that my rear left driver's side tire pressure is down and I'm looking at it and every all the other ones are at 38 and this one's sitting at 28. And then I go down the road a little bit further and it's 27 and I drop my mirror to look at it and I can't tell that it doesn't look soft, at least from the side view mirror. And then it's 26. I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And so I knew that there was a gas station with an air pump. And so I roll into town, pull in front of the air pump. And it just so happens that when I get out, and I walk around to look at that tire, there is a sheet metal screw sitting right there at the top of, like right in the middle of the tread, right at the top of the tire. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go in. I talked to the gas station attendant. I said, hey, if you see somebody out here in your security camera by the dumpster, I said, it's me, I'm changing a tire. And I quickly grabbed the books. I never had to change, I've never had to drop my spare. I've pulled my tires off. I've never had to drop the spare. And so, I quickly look at the book. Okay, step, step, step. Good. I got them all. I go back. I have to unlock with my key this housing to access the funnel to drop the spare. I mistakenly, and here's where the problem went bad, is I shoved the tire iron in there because there was a little bit of dust and debris that wasn't letting my wrench get in there where the way it should. So I ream it out and I can hear it falling to the ground. I can see it falling to the ground. I said, okay, that should be good enough. And I try and stick the wrench back in and it won't engage. I can't get the tire to drop. And I'm trying this for half an hour, knowing that I have to be at work in a, in a meeting. And so I call my boss and say, okay, I have a flat. I'm working on it. I will try and be there. If not, I'll run back up to my place and get on remotely. She says, fine. So everything's okay there. So I tell my, because my son's with me, I said, all right, I'm just going to put air in the tire. We're going to try and get back up to the garage halfway up the mountain that, you know, it's a guy that he can pretty much fix anything, but you know, not this quote air, you know, air quotes, like certified um, mechanic type of place, but he's, he's a really good guy. And so we spend $2 to put air in the tire. I drive back up the mountain halfway home, pull in. He, he has a guy come out and we take a look in that funnel and he can't see anything. I said, well, let me see your flashlight. I look in there. I said, there's a piece of plastic that is just slightly off centered. That's hmm. not let, maybe not let me get the wrench in. So he slides underneath the truck. We drop this funnel that is to guide back to where I would lower the, the spare. 
And I look inside, I'm like, yeah, there's a piece of plastic. Yes, I start banging it on the ground. It comes out and I look at it. It's a, the plastic coating that's on the tip of my tire iron. So when I was clearing out oh, no. all that debris, it actually got stuck and loosened and it came out, you know, it came off. And now I, all that time I spent <laughs> trying to get it done was because I shoved that tire iron in there to clean it out in the first place. So long story short, I, you know, jack up the truck. I take the tire off. I take it inside to them. They patch it for me. I roll, they roll it back out, you know, just a few bucks, you know, which I appreciate for them. Cause they're like, like, you're doing most of the work. I'm like, well, not a worry. And so I put it all back on and up back to camp so that I can get on my meeting and not be late. And sure enough, I make the meeting just on time. And that's my B team story. Well, that's a good one. So did you just not take the plastic piece off the end of the tire iron? Is that what it was? It was like a, like a protective piece for the right. tire iron because I need it to be for my truck. It actually, the, when you take it off, it serves a purpose and that plastic has to keep that shape and size so I can keep using my tire iron for what it's supposed to be used. Well, other than taking the lug nuts off on the other end of right, it, right, that right. pointed end, I need to have that pointed end, you know, to actually fit in and twist as well for another job. So um, it's just a protective coating and I've always kept it on there and I didn't realize that it slipped off. Yeah. Well, that's, that's something I clearly would do. And that's definitely uh, right in the realm of what is a typical B team report. So this, this theme, it seems like the theme for this one is, uh, is uh, auto automobile or, you know, small engine failures or tire failures. So yeah, I didn't even get into having to telling you about having to put a can of fix a flat in my lawnmower tire. That's a whole other story. So anyway, here we go again. Mike, final turkey season report. By the time the folks hear this, we'll be well beyond the end of our season here. Um, how, would, how would you grade the spring overall? I'd have to give it a B. And the only reason is because you know, on the first day in Pennsylvania, I missed my opportunity. New York, I never was on a good bird at all, ever. And I had multiple days of just dead silence. But what pulled it back up into that B range is when I was home for like a five day stretch, I was in them every day at home in Pennsylvania, actually at home, I've said like back in Pennsylvania. And um, I had some really exciting hunts, learned a ton on uh, some uh, state game land, some public ground. Uh, that's going to, I think, serve us very, very well in the future. Yeah. Well, it was, you and I, I wish we could have got out more. It's just the way the schedules worked. And also, to be honest with you, I got a little lazy because I had some baseball games. I wasn't returning home until late at night and couldn't get out more. But uh, yeah, it always seemed like just about every time, at least here in Pennsylvania, you were into birds or you had something going on. And yeah. so really, that's all you can ask for for a good season. Hey, how about other things going on? This is a good one. Uh, as we head toward the end of the show here today, uh, my my suppressor showed up today. And so folks will remember way back kind of, I don't know, I don't remember the episode, you know, a good host would have looked it up. But early on in the show, we had Brandon Maddox on from uh, Silencer Central and I ended up uh, getting a suppressor from Silencer Central. And it just took the, all that amount of time to get the FBI clearance and you know, all the approvals and everything you need to get. But I just want to reiterate now, now that I have it, um, what a great process that was. If you're somebody that's interested in a suppressor uh, for one of your guns, I can't say enough about the folks at Silencer Central and how they made the process as easy as it could be, minus, you know, the FBI clearances and all that. That's out of their out of their hands, but they made it as easy as possible and it finally showed up at my door. So 
uh, looking forward to getting that uh, on the end of that 270 and, and seeing how it works. So that, that'll be something new. Yeah, I'm interested, I'm interested to hear how that goes for you. Yeah. And then also, as I was trying to put stuff away from turkey season, I looked and saw my bow sitting there and realized how little I've shot. So, Mike, you know, as we're looking at June now, really, it's we should be shooting, right? I mean, we, we don't want to wait until August and say, hey, let's get the bows out and start shooting. Right. And I actually have taken a couple shots just because um, I got I started using that new bow last year and I wanted to see picking it up again after the, the long winter, how it felt and it still feels good and I'm still shooting it very well. So I've already taken uh, a few shots. Yeah, summer is here. And I know one thing is that no matter how much you prepare, it always still feels like somehow the hunting season sneaks up on you. But we're going to try not to let that happen yet again. So yeah, if you're out there, you haven't done any shooting yet, you haven't looked over your equipment, now's the time. Do not wait until the end of summer to do that. Hey, we're going to have some big announcements coming up at the NDA here in the next few weeks. And I can't give you a lot of details on that. Matter of fact, I can't give you any details on that. But what I'm doing here is encouraging you to, if you don't already, subscribe to our newsletter that comes out every Thursday morning, bright and early in your inbox. Because all of that information will be in there. Um, and we'll be telling you about some new hires and some other things uh, that we're working on. Uh, and that's coming up, so don't wait around. Do that, get signed up, and if you are a subscriber already, make sure you're opening those. I mean, I get it. We don't. I, I'm not. I'm be honest. I don't open every single newsletter I get from uh, everybody else, but um, try to open these next few so that you can get caught up on what's going on. And we'll talk about it here on the show as well. And also, when you do sign up, be sure to add your physical address because that also then makes you eligible to win prizes and we do some of these free prize drawings. So make sure that your physical address is in there and it also allows us to locate you to send you policy issues. So for example, if we send something, if we have the doctor's physical address and there's an issue that comes up in New York, our system will know that Mike needs to see that alert so that he can take action on it. And we make that very simple for you. So please do that if you haven't already. Uh, and we're not going to send you junk mail. Okay. That's, that's the biggest thing you should know. And we also don't sell our lists or anything like that. So there's really no reason not to sign up and also watch our social media accounts. We have everything from TikTok to Twitter to you heard Lindsay talking about TikTok, um, Instagram, Facebook, please pay attention there as well. Continually updated every single day with new information. Well, that's it, folks. That was our 50th episode of the Coffee and Deer podcast. We sure hope we're around to do another 50 so we can have, uh, maybe we'll have a, a big party and do something sort of on site for the 100th if we get there. Uh, thank you, doctor, for being there for the first 50. And what do you think? Can we get 50 more? I would like to hope so. And uh, the sad thing is, is I learned today that I cannot say 50th uh, without a lot of mental concentration. So I think I can say 100th a little bit easier. Well, we have, we have some time to practice. So, hey, thanks for listening, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. National Deer Association, where we are united for deer.